You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm realizing that there comes a time in everyone's journey that you are going to have to trust God more than you did in prior seasons. That the faith that you had in prior seasons, it was cute, but it's not going to actually cover you the way that you want to or that you will feel warmth in in this season. That you are going to have to literally go further into your faith walk with God. Go further into your belief. You're going, it was cute to have mustard seed at some point, but you're going to have to grow that a little bit more because where God is taking you, you're going to need to be completely clothed in all of your faith. There's something that is not going to be all the way understood. There may be a little bit of gray area, but if you lean in the way that you leaned in before, you're going to punk yourself out of your next blessing it's going to feel a little bit scary because you're like I don't have all the things that I had before and this is new to me but what you don't understand is that where you are going not only requires a different perspective from you it requires a different size faith from you mustard seed size faith is what God requires but sometimes the blessing requires more of that from you. I am realizing that as I am journeying and being faced with new obstacles and I'm in the field of this thing called life, that you're definitely going to be tested. Some things feel like wilderness. Other things feel like, you know, what have you, whatever it is to you. But you're definitely going to feel tested, not in that you're being punked or some type of entertainment to God, but more so of you are going to have to demonstrate that you believe what you said you believe. You are going to have to demonstrate that you are who you said that you are. There is a time that you're literally going to have to remind yourself and everyone around you at times, like, listen, this is my stance. It, I do not buckle. I don't have spaghetti knees. Like, this is how I'm walking this thing called life. And anyone who does not agree with that, you know, that's between them and the Lord. But I'd rather walk by myself before I walk in inauthenticity. Something about journeying and growing and developing, I think that we also forget that you're going to have to change the way that you see a thing. I remember when I was younger, and I'm probably going to show my little bit of my age, but don't put my business on the streets. I used to watch this show called Ren and Stimpy as a child. It was a inappropriate uh, cartoon that was, I think it was on Nickelodeon. I'm not even certain for sure, but I know that that was probably one of the funniest things to me as a child, right? And so I remember later on in my adulthood, maybe like a couple of years ago, I was like, man, whatever happened to that show? But you know, now you can pull up something anywhere. So I went ahead and tried to make a date night of it. My husband and I, we were like, okay, um, let's watch it real quick. And we watched it and we were so appalled, low key mortified by how inappropriate the show was like we literally was looking at the show like bruh they let us watch this as a child it literally should be on somebody's adult swim okay it is neck and neck uh with family guy that is not something that you let your elementary age child children watch what is going on and what I realized is wow my perspective changed from that of a child what I thought was funny what I thought was humorous what I thought was entertaining as a 
adult now with children, I've realized that that's not a show that I can enjoy. I mean, the sexual in the window. I mean, all the things that were in that, it was like, uh, bro, do y'all, what's this rated? <laughs> like, and why is it on daytime cartoon anything? Just not clear, right? But even more so, just using that as an example, that's exactly what you're going to need as you evolve into the adulthood, into the assignment, into the coat of armor, proverbial speaking, that God has for you. You absolutely cannot see things the same way. You, so that actually means you absolutely cannot believe things the same way. Let your core values remain the same. Let your perspectives change how much you, you believe. And when I was thinking about that, like I'm actually going through something right now. I, I'm, I'm having a real life experience in that I had to talk to myself in a way that my prior self wouldn't sabotage what God has for me. I had to tell myself, I don't care what you feel. I believe God. I don't care what it looks like. I believe God and I'm not going to do anything in the flesh that's going to hurry along or piece together what I'm believing God for. I believe that there's a ram in a bush in the mighty name of Jesus. I believe that if it gets seven times hotter, God will be in there with me. I believe that whatever the Bible says that God, when you abide in him, he abides in you. I believe exactly what the Bible says. And God says that he's a man that he shall not lie and that he will not forsake. I'm not an orphan. Like God is a good, good dad. And so if I have the same power that Jesus had that resurrected him from the grave, then I absolutely positively can't walk from one blessing to the next as if I don't know that this thing is already TiVo'd. Spoiler alert, it works out in my favor. And so I had to tell myself, listen to me self. Like real talk. I don't care what it looks like, bruh. I don't care. God is not hard of hearing, so I'm not going to repeat my prayers. He didn't forget me. He, he lets me know, I heard you, I'm here, okay, great. When I do need that little bit of a warm hug real quick to be like, God, can you let me know something real quick? He, he speaks to me. I hear God. I speak to God. I have a relationship with God. I got Holy Spirit as my tutor. There's angels working on my behalf. Jesus died for me. I have brothers and sisters in, in, in the faith that keep me iron and sharpened iron. I have, like, listen, I can't lose. Do you understand that? When I say we fully rostered in this in this game, I can't lose because I've been practicing my shot, which means I've been reading my Bible. I've been practicing my handle, which means that I've been going ahead and truly walking out what it is that I say I believe. And I know the word and the word is in me. And so at this point, I cannot lose. I am too, like, I hate to say it, but like, um, I'm loaded. And at this point, feeling this way, knowing this, sometimes you have to remind, I had to rebuke myself and say, God, I'm sorry. Okay. At the end of the day, I'm a human in a human shell, but I don't let my human instincts lead me. My spirit is bigger than that. You understand? And it's something about getting to that place, getting to that place of just like, listen, just downright I'm unmovable in my beliefs. And I don't care what happens. Uh, God 
is good, man. That's just not a cliche. That's just not a good song to put into some type of lyrics. Make it a good chorus or two. Like, God is really good. He's better than good. I wish we had a bigger word than that, but he's awesome. Like, he puts things together in ways that we we would forget the most minute details, and the minute details is what, what really matters. Like, how you forget to put the cheese in the mac and cheese? How you forget to put the that particular seasoning on that? You forgot the pepper? That's what's missing. You ain't put salt. Like, this tastes bland. Like, we don't understand how to put things together in our best efforts we're going to forget. But when you lean and recline on God, oh, my goodness. Like, it comes out better than what you could have ever put together on your best day. And if I was a gambling woman, I will put my money on God. I got to the point that I'm literally making decisions like it's God or nothing. It's God or nothing. Not making decisions where it looks like, mm, Let's just do a plan B just in case. Or, you know, well, you you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Or, you know what, um, we got that in the queue. But, let, no, 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 I'm not living like that. Bruh, it's God or nothing. Like when, when God said, uh, Jesus, you up next, and he let Jesus come down here, knowing that he is his only begotten son, bruh, he literally said, it's Jesus or nothing. I don't have no plan B for y'all. Like Jesus has to literally walk this thing out for 30 years. And then on his 30th year, he's going to have to walk out this ministry knowing how crucial it is for three years. He's going to have that little bit of a moment in, you know, the garden of Gethsemane, but I'm having faith that buddy's going to push through and, and do what needs to be done, you know, on Calvary. Like Jesus is OG. He understood the assignment. <laughs> you understand? But I look at that and I, and I want to become more, more like Jesus, but I want to be just like God in that if he is my creator as his creation, I want to mimic my dad. I want to look like I'm in, truly in his image, not in just the way I carry myself, not in the way that, that I, that I look, I want to carry myself in a way that I can see parts of God growing in me. And at this moment of my life, and I'm looking, I'm like, God, you didn't have a plan A, a just in case, you know, Jesus don't work out. So I'm not going to live my life like that either. I'm going to go ahead and say, you know what? It's God or nothing. Just like you said, it's Jesus or nothing. Do you understand that? And just getting to this place of ramped up, just powered up faith, it made me think of Daniel. I said, let me explain something to you. We don't give Daniel enough credit, but he, you talk about you have workplace issues. Mm -mm, you ain't read Daniel enough. Daniel is OG, bruh. When Ecclesiastic said it's nothing new under the sun, it was for real. It was for real because this chapter um, in Daniel chapter six, bruh, it is the epitome of workplace toxicity. <laughs> talk about toxic work environment. Daniel, we might as well just cut. We, we saying all these words, uh, toxic work environment. You use three words. All you need to say is Daniel. Mm -hmm, because Daniel, let me go ahead and read to you exactly what it is that I experienced, exactly what it is that I am actually living through at this moment. And then you'll know a little bit what I'm, I'm talking about. So Daniel 6, you know, I'm going to always side back to the Bible, right? And you know, I read from the NLT version. Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start at, let's start at verse 3. No, let's go up one. Let's just go up two. So Daniel 6, verse 2. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers 
and protect the king's interests. Okay, pause. So we already meeting Daniel, and Daniel's already like, you know, he's he's an executive leader, right? Cool. Three. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Pause. Okay, Daniel. Walking in excellence, getting promoted. What promoted Daniel, class? His excellence. Hmm? Because somebody's out there crying, um, God, I don't understand. The, but before you start crying to God, okay, can you look at your actions and say that it's something that God can bless and, and elevate? The last thing you want to do is get promoted and your character didn't match it. Hmm. The last thing you want to do is get increased, but your your work ethic stayed there so it looks like a decrease mm. okay four then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way daniel was handling government affairs but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn he was faithful always responsible and completely trustworthy pause oh you mean daniel had uh co-workers that was trying to see what they can tell the other bosses about because the fact that you came in there knew you outshined them and so they felt a little bit of jealousy you mean crab in a, a barrel mentality started at daniel six it did you reading it with me five so they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion pause you have to see that as excellent. They looked at Daniel and said, the only way we're going to have to get you in trouble is the fact that you are not only consistent, but you're consistent with God. Man, you fought somebody with something. You fought them with that. Like that, that's an honor. Seriously. Six. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. That's somebody good grandbaby, by the way. Seven. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Eight. And now, your majesty... Issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Mendes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Nine. So King Darius signed the law. That goes to show you, real talk, be careful of who's in your ear. Be careful of who advises you. Be careful of who pretends to have your best interests at heart. But what they're really doing is showing that they have a corroded heart. Be careful. And sometimes you think to yourself, well, how am I supposed to know that? I need you to go ahead and, and listen to the intent of a person behind that. Like, why all of a sudden are you coming to me and you're saying this, that, and the third? Why all of a sudden are you bringing that news to me? How come every time something happens, you're the first person that knows and you're the first person to bring it back to me? That should actually tell you something about somebody's character and that you need to examine. Did you get that? Okay. Ten. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day. Just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Pause. Daniel 
you a different kind of game, Samaji. You were like, not only am I not going to switch up what I've done, I'm going to keep it open. Like, I ain't putting no curtain on for y'all can't see. Like, God, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to continue to praise you. But you know what they put out. And so I'm going to just, I'm going to use wisdom and I'm going to protect myself. And the, mm-mm, it was, listen, I don't skip a beat with God because God don't skip a beat with me, period. And that's on Big Purr. And that's how that's going to go. Eleven. Then the officers went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Oh, how dare he, right? Twelve. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Mendes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. 13, then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. 14, hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. Pause. If if it don't feel right, it's not right. If it don't look right, it's not right. I need you sometimes to tap into your spirit and say, God, what is my flesh acknowledging that my spirit is catching up to? The fact that it didn't feel right, so you were deeply troubled, the king. Okay, so that that was the um, an indicator, right? It's like a, a light on a dashboard of your heart, like, yo, something's off. And so you spent the rest of the day looking for something that should tell you something is off. Don't ever be afraid to veer off of what may not be popular just to make sure that you are at peace at the end of the day because peace drives decisions, not popularity. But that may be too big of a talk for some people. Fifteen. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of Mendes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. Pause. Isn't that like the enemy? To trick somebody into something and they don't have all the information. That's why it's dangerous to make full decisions with partial information. I bet if he had known that, would he have still made that decision? Something about that has to say, I'm going to do everything that I can to make a a completely thorough decision before I make any decision. Like, that's why the Bible says my people perish from a lack of knowledge. Like, what are you doing and what position are you putting yourself in that had you known all that, you would have chose different. Like, if you knew it was going to be that much APR added to that particular payment, would you have still got that particular item? Like, if you knew that that job was going to, like, seriously, like, start pausing when you feel a little bit of like, "Uh, I feel a little bit uncomfortable, and ask God, what are you trying to save me from that I can't yet sense? I sense it, but I can't see it. I see it, but I can't sense it. And until those two things are aligned, then what you're going to have to do is really, truly rely on God. 16. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. 17. A stone was bought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. 18. 
Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. 20. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? 21. Daniel answered, long live the king. <laughs> gang, gang. 22. My God sent his angel to shut down the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you. Your Majesty. 23. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. <sighs> the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Not a scratch was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that whatever den was set up for you by men, come on, Holy Spirit, whatever was set up for you, I pray that it's a setup for people to see exactly how God cares for you. I pray that whatever was supposed to be manufactured for your downfall, for your default, for your derailment, that they, they're going to see that God is going to destroy that entire thing because you are found innocent in God's sight. And whoever tried, they need to understand <laughs> that um, God shuts mouths and he opens doors. Do you understand that? That you thought closing this particular door was going to have me demolished by some lions, right? You thought that when you came back, it was it was going to be questionable. That's why you approached the lions then with a question. But what you don't understand is that what God shuts, no man can open. When God opened, no man can shut. So now that we know how that seesaw works, what you need to stop doing is stop playing with God. Because when you play with me, you're playing with God. Hmm. Do you understand? I need you to start looking at your situations like, God, this is giving me very much mm, lion's den. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand as firmly as I could. Now I'm going to go ahead. I'm not going to hold you. I'm afraid of cats. Okay. Uh, the Bible says he didn't give us a fear, spirit of fear. Uh, but I have a concern, deep, deep concern about cats. Right. Um, cats and lions mm, may be a part of the same family, but very much different sizes. I can't say for sure that I wouldn't have walked in there and been like, Okay, God, if ooh, it felt some kind of way. But the Bible doesn't document that Daniel said or did anything. He didn't say or do anything. And I think because it was so dope, he didn't have to because God was already putting things together that was going to make God shine. There is something so incredible about knowing um, <laughs> that even when somebody tries to harm you, they're troubled. Because the king knew that that was the wrong thing to do. So what happened? He couldn't eat. He fasted all night. He's doing all that. And I'm sure Daniel had him a good sleep. Hmm? Yeah, probably felt very much like, listen, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, again, you're going to do, people going to do what people do, but God's always going to show up and do what he does. Do you understand that? And I just need for us to get to a place that we just, we, we sit, not in silence, but we sit in just the ambiance of God. I wonder if we had a mic that was inside of that den, what, what what would that have sound like? Was he talking to God? Was he just like, you know what, God, I'm thankful? Like, what? Because the reason why he got in trouble in the first place is because the people said, yo, we heard him praying. We heard him asking for God's help. So if you was asking for God's help there when there were no lions, I wonder what you were asking and saying to God when the lions were there. I, I'm thankful that God loves us enough that we can be in close proximity to danger, but danger can't touch us if God doesn't allow it. 
I'm thankful that we have things that illustrate God's, I'm talking, this majestic power in a way that we can look at these situations and go, man, if God did it before, he'll do it again. There is something so completely and utterly soothing with knowing God, if you be for me, like literally who can be against me? Like people keep trying to set you up on things that God created. Like, bro, he created the lion too. So he controls that too. He created um, the rocks. Like what you thought? I'm not going to be able to breathe in here. Like he can go ahead and make, listen, if Moses was able to get water from a rock, like God can do whatever he wants with whatever he created. And how dare you think that you can use part of his creation to hurt his creation and he's the creator that's my dad are you kidding me like I need you to get so firm in your bag of faith and hope and e all the above that you start looking at things like you can't use against me the very thing that God can use for me that is actually counterproductive family okay that doesn't make any sense I love the fact that we have the illustration of these type of things because, again, nothing is new under the sun. And and, and it, we have to get to a place that we truly start to believe that, that we start to see, you no, know, God is still working. I don't care what it looks like because a lot of us would have lost this faith fight and that how come God even allowed for um, the coworkers to hear him praying, Right. God, how come you didn't make them deaf? And God, like, keep them off of me because you are so um, early in your walk with God that you think prevention is the only is the only way that God can show his power. You believe that as long as he prevents, avoids, pushes away, that that is God showing his power. No, sometimes God allows some things because he wants to show you another level. Hmm? So you think, okay, going, once the coworkers go to the boss, that the boss standing up for you is God showing his power and his favor for you. No, not so much. Maybe sometimes the, the God wants to go ahead and do three birds in, in one stone, right? Maybe he's like, no, I want to show your coworkers, your boss, and you at the same time that stop playing with my creation. Stop playing with my anointed. Stop playing with the promise that I have over you because this is my assignment, and I take it very seriously, Sometimes you think, okay, well, we'll make it where um, all the lions die and there's no lions that could be in there. Or you know what? Maybe they can't roll the rock. And so you would miss that God is actually building up the suspense just to make this a bestseller. Because, listen, if you're going to have a chapter and, and your name put in the Lamb's Book of Life, we at least want it to be a bestseller, yes? Like how boring would it have been if we would have kept reading like, Daniel prayed, the co-workers told the boss, the boss did nothing, and that's just it. I mean, that's cute, that's surface level, that's ground level one. But when it, what it, God can't grow your faith unless he really grows the circumstance. If he really makes it, like, you know, a little bit more suspenseful. If it makes it where it's like, bruh, the co-workers got to tell, the boss listened, now you got a write-up, now it's this, that, and the third. Oh, my goodness, what are you going to do? I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to do what I've been doing, which is following God and believing in him and hoping in him and praying to him and letting him go ahead and use me for his glory shouts out to daniel for not getting gone how many of us would have took a little bit of a jonah spirit 
and been like, ah, I'm going to do the SpongeBob me, and I'm going to go ahead and head out. I'm going to let myself out because um, y'all put something together that I know I'm going to go ahead and get in trouble on, so I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, flee somewhere else. Like, I love the fact that Daniel showed us what it looks like to be steadfast in something that you are believing God for, and he didn't even know how it was going to work out, but he knew that, listen, God, at this point, what I'm not going to do is change up what I do because I know that you are a, a never-changing God. The Bible says that you are the same yesterday, today, and, and forevermore. And so if that's the case, then I'm not going to switch up how I've been walking with you for nobody, especially not nobody else's grandbabies. <laughs> like, mm-mm, don't nobody get that much power over me. My challenge to you is to look at any portion of your life right now that you feel like, man, I, I ain't going to hold you. I kind of been contorting myself based upon the situations. I've kind of been, you know, it. If it brings too much attention, I've been trying to dim my light. Um, and and if, if it's causing me to get out of my comfort zone, I feel myself kind of retracting back and trying to play small. And No, like at this point, God is trying to go ahead from taking you the lamp under the shade to just making you so bright that you can't hide that no more. And, and what's going to happen is, unfortunately, there are going to be some people that are offended, scared, and... Um, just downright just jealous of your anointing. There was a glow on you sometimes, and you can't fight it whether you want it to or not. But there's a glow on you sometimes, and it's called God's anointing. And as long as that anointing is on you, you're going to draw all men. And as long as you draw all men, most of them are probably not going to have your best interests at heart. But it's okay. They did the same thing to Jesus, and his name still rings bells. You understand? Understand that at the end of the day, <laughs> it truly is just one statement God will open doors while at the same time shutting mouths and I pray that to mean to you what it means to you whether it's he's opening up doors and for the, for your next position while he's shutting up the naysayers whether it's you knew in your heart a long time ago that this particular person was supposed to be your spouse and everybody else has something to say about this person and although uh they may have had some facts god told you in a different way that you can confirm spiritually that this person is for you that you know what you told me not to go ahead and you didn't see it being a good idea for me to move to that particular location out of county out of state whatever but what you don't understand is that this next season of your life i pray in the mighty name of jesus that it is it just screams open door shuts mouths <laughs> open door shuts mouths because I'm explaining something to you when um and I got this from Daniel oh shouts out to him when the king opened up the den Daniel had to say God shut the mouth you can't harm me the way that you thought God already had a plan for this so I pray that this forever echoes in your spirit open doors shut mouth open jo- doors shut mouths And I pray that you go back and you read Daniel 6 and that you let it speak to you the way that God intends for it to speak to you or how he spoke to you during this conversation alone. But don't you dare think that just because things are continuing to happen that God doesn't have a ram in the bush. He will shut whatever he needs to shut to open for you whatever needs to be opened. Do you understand that? Okay. All right. But um, listen, I feel like you got what you needed. You know what these conversations are? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl, Kay, 
Man, listen, I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for the expectation of what's to come. I'm excited for the revelation that God gave you through this phone call. And I'm excited that you're going to have a great report and testimony because where you thought things were getting spicy, it was just seasoning for the story of your life. That's all, okay? But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Okay? Later. <laughs>